in my first year of seminary, where I was preparing to become a pastor, one of my professors told my class one day, he said, I am going to give you guys today the most important question that you could ever ask during your time as a pastor. And so some of us really leaned forward on the edge of our seats to listen. Some of us even woke back up. And he said, Dr. Robert Kolb was his name. He said, it's extremely important that when someone at your church asks you a very thoughtful, a very deep, a very, a very challenging question, that you respond back with a question yourself. The question is, why do you want to know? Why do you want to know? A very wise question uh, from a wise man, Dr. Kolb. Um, that's something that, th there's all, whenever a question is asked, actually kind of a deep, thoughtful one, there's always something behind the question, right? There's always something at the heart of the question. And, you know, when you're hearing a question, uh, you may, you know, that doesn't always come through. You know, I, I don't have, I don't know about you, I do not have the power to read minds and look into the hearts of other people. You know, Jesus had that. Um, I have not achieved that so far in my life. Neither would I maybe want it all the time. But it would be helpful sometimes if someone comes to you with a question, you know, instead of just answering right away, assuming you know what they mean, if you could kind of pause and, and put it back on them. Well, why do you want to know? Or some variation thereof, so that you can like invite them to elaborate a little bit more, to reveal what is at the heart of their question. Now, back in uh, the last couple months, your pastors here at St. Paul, we've been asking you for questions, for topics, for suggestions for what we might preach on here as we kick off the new year. Uh, and so that's, that's what's happening today. We're kicking off this Ask Me Anything sermon series. Um, we got a lot of questions, lots of good ones. Um, and so, but I, I realized when I I sent out, you know, like the online survey that you could fill out or the, even the paper one. I should have had another section that said below your question, it should have said, why do you want to know? I really messed up, but we're still, we're still proceeding with it. But I, if I could go back in time, um, I would do that. So, so we have um, our first sermon in this series today is on the topic of forgiveness. We had, we had a handful of questions relating to forgiveness, so I took them and I smushed them, technical term, uh, together and kind of made, made like, you know, one sermon today um, covering several different questions about forgiveness. Um, and so what I've, my kind of working question for us uh, guiding things today is this question. How can a Christian be faithful in difficult forgiving situations. How can a Christian be faithful in difficult forgiving situations? Have you guys ever been in, involved in a difficult forgiving situation? Yeah, the word difficult might be redundant there, right? Forgiveness is, is not easy. It, it, is, it is a hard thing. Life is full of difficult forgiveness questions. There are many forgiveness questions that could have been submitted here in this sermon series. Um, perhaps you have asked yourself, or maybe you've heard other people ask, some of the following questions. <clears throat> and these are, some of these we, you know, we did receive. Um, this one's from Peter. How many times do I have to forgive someone for the same sin? 
How do I forgive someone who isn't sorry? What kind of relationship am I supposed to have with someone after they've committed a serious sin against me? What kind of boundaries as a Christian am, am I allowed to put up if someone is continually sinning against me? When is it okay to stop trying to reconcile with someone who has sinned against me? These are hard, right? We've all thought about these things. Our mind has danced around these, these kinds of questions before. And again, it's helpful when you hear a question like this to kind of come back with a, well, why do you want to know? What's in your heart that's prompting you to ask this question? And there could be different extremes, I think, in our hearts when we ask questions like this having to do with forgiveness. Um, it could be on one side that we are looking for, we're asking these questions, but really what we're looking for is a license to withhold forgiveness from someone else. Or even we might be asking, you know, I might, be, I might want my pastor to bless the grudge that I am holding. You know, go in peace and bear your grudge for many more decades, you know. Maybe that, that might be what's in my heart. I, oh, that's been in my, those things have been in my heart before. And for you guys too, probably. Or you have the other extreme, you know, the why do you want to know? Well, maybe, it, maybe you're, you're bringing these questions forward and your heart is broken because of the brokenness of this world and maybe some of the broken relationships that you have experienced here and you're at your wit's end trying to be a faithful Christian, trying to forgive, trying to restore things, trying to reconcile and nothing's working and you don't know where to go next. So maybe, maybe you're asking the question because of that. Could be this extreme or this extreme or it could be somewhere in the middle but maybe your, your heart is, is asking these questions. And so we're gonna try to you know, kind of cover both sides of these things here today. Um, but I'm, I'm going to warn you. Here's my, here's my uh, disclaimer as we start this sermon series. You had to read the fine print, but th this, is, this is the disclaimer, is that you're not going to get, you're not always going to get a nice, perfect, clean answer from one of us pastors. Don't all leave. Don't, don't leave yet. Um, these are tough, messy topics and questions. Uh, a wise person also once told me sometime, one time said, don't do a question and answer, do a question and response because you maybe don't have an answer for everything. You know, a response, there's the phrasing that, that we use. Um, but we're not, we're maybe not gonna give you the perfect, not everyone's gonna be satisfied completely by, by the answer. But what we are going to do is we are going to model what it looks like to wrestle with something that God has told us uh, to, to think theologically about a, a topic, a situation that is hard. And ultimately, the most important thing we're going to do is we're going to lead you in turning to God's word for the wisdom to faithfully navigate these situations that we find ourselves in. All right. So the first place, as we, as we talk about turning to God's word, the first place we have to go is that parable of the unforgiving servant from Matthew 18 that we just read. All right, parable of the unforgiving servant. So you gotta love Peter. Um, oh, Peter. Uh, he goes to Jesus and he says, um, you know, hey, what if I, is it good if I forgive my brother for doing the same sin up to seven times? And you know, he's thinking, I'm gonna get a gold star right now. I'm going to get praised. Um, there's, there's evidence that rabbis back in this day, they were teaching um, that you, you had to forgive 
someone for the same sin three times, okay? If I, if I, in my sinful heart of hearts, I would say one, maybe two is pretty good, right? After that, that's crazy. Peter thought, I'm gonna double the three to six and add one, and seven's a holy number, and Jesus is gonna be really impressed, and we're gonna be good to go. Um, Jesus says, depending on your translation, um, he either says, uh, I tell you, you gotta forgive 77 times or 70 times seven, which is, which is what? Any math whizzes? 490, of course, thank you, yeah. Um, gold star, yeah. But, but the, the point is not, Jesus is not saying like, oh, there's, there's a perfect number. There's a perfect number. You count, you're, you're keeping a tally. Okay, I'm up to, up, I'm up to 17 now. He's saying, don't, don't keep score. Don't keep track. You just, you forgive. And you forgive. And you forgive. And you keep on forgiving even if your brother or sister keeps sinning against you. And we hear that and we think, why would I do that? You know what? That's probably what Peter was thinking. Why would I do that? That is crazy talk, Jesus. Why would I do that? And so Jesus explains why. And he goes into this parable, the parable that we call the parable of the unforgiving servant. So we've got this king. They also refer to him as the master. Um, that's, that's the God character in this parable. You're always looking, you're hearing the parable like, well, who's who in this story? Okay, God is the, is the king. Um, and a, one of his servants comes, and his servant owes him such an enormous debt that he will never be able to pay this off in his lifetime. In fact, he could live multiple lifetimes and still never be able to pay it back. It's that big of a debt. And so the guy falls to the ground, and he's begging for mercy. And extraordinarily, the king forgives the entire debt, just wipes it clean. Amazing. There's always some, in every parable, there's some little twist that kind of surprises us. This is probably the biggest twist in any parable. It, it's crazy. It's the biggest twist in any parable until like two verses later. When you have that same servant who's been forgiven everything, he walks out, and you would think that now this guy, right? You think this guy would be the most forgiving person in the world. He would set forgiveness records. He would have this force field of forgiveness around him. Everywhere he went, he'd just be forgiving everybody. You want some forgiveness over here and over here? That is not what he does. He goes out and he starts choking some guy. Some guy who owes him money. His fellow servant. And, uh, and the, guy's like, the guy asks for mercy as well. And does he give him mercy? No, he throws him in the slammer. Now, some of the fellow servants, they are watching this display, and they are, they are distressed, and they go to the king, and they tattle on him, say, you're never going to believe what your servant just did. So the, so the king is righteously angry, and he calls the servant back in, reinstates the debt, kind of, you know, and, and uh, throws him in the slammer. This is, this is quite the story. Some of Jesus' best work, I might say. Quite the story. It is meant, I believe, to overwhelm us when we hear this. It is meant to overwhelm us with the grace and the mercy of God our Father forgiving all of our sins by the cross of Jesus. It is also meant, though, to overwhelm us with the knowledge that if we do not extend this same forgiveness 
to our brothers and sisters, then we are the very worst kind of hypocrites. It's a cautionary tale in that regard. Jesus is teaching us to look at others the same way that God looks at us, specifically in the way that we respond when someone sins against us. Paul, um, you know, Paul wrote the, the Romans passage. Paul, Paul listened to the parable of the unforgiving servant, apparently, and, and really learned the lesson well. Because Paul wrote in two of his other letters, here's from Ephesians 4, he said this, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. He also wrote in Colossians chapter 3, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Most of the time when I preach at a wedding, I use an object lesson that I have shamelessly stolen from my uncle, uh, who was the pastor that married Melissa and me, actually. And that object lesson was uh, this little cross that I had in the children's message, how it, my uncle said this in, in his wedding sermon to, to me and, and to Melissa. You gotta look at each other cross-eyed, right? I, I closed the wrong eye there, that was, that was weird. Um, you gotta look at each other cross-eyed. Just like God, God sees us as his beloved, forgiven children because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we're supposed to look at each other the same way. I see you, I see a beloved brother and sister in Christ whom God has forgiven. And so we extend that same forgiveness to others. So we look at each other the same way God looks at you, cross-eyed. That is what we are called to do as Christians. Now, I do believe that most of us know all of this. We know this teaching about forgiveness, and we even believe it. We believe that this is the way that it, things should go. Uh, but you also, you guys know this, um, believing something and actually putting it into practice, entirely different ball games. So I think those of us here, as we're reflecting upon the topic of forgiveness today, what we're most interested in is how can we be faithful Christians even in those most difficult situations in life that involve forgiveness. So we had to first, we had to ground ourselves with the foundational teaching of God's enormous, unlimited, incomparable forgiveness for us in Christ Jesus. That's the foundation for us. That sets the stage for everything that's gonna follow here today. We had to, we had to set the stage for that. And now, for the rest of our time, we're going to, here's my fancy title, we're gonna look at some considerations and advice for faithful, forgiving Christians. That's us. We are faithful, forgiving Christians. And we're gonna to turn to God's word and see how we can grow in that area. The first thing I wanna draw your attention to here today is from Romans 12. That was that intense epistle reading that we had earlier. Verse 18 in particular, this is what Paul wrote. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. It's a short verse, and you could preach a whole sermon on it. There's a lot packed in there. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's plan A, right? That we're all going to live at peace with each other. 
Does it happen? No. It doesn't happen. There's, it, it, there's no way that we will ever have peace with everybody at any given time. Sin happens, and it strains and breaks relationships. Now, can a relationship that has been strained and broken by sin be repaired and restored? Yeah, absolutely it can. Uh, by the power of God, who forgives us and calls us to forgive each other the same way, it can happen. Does it always happen, though? No, we know it doesn't. There are times when living peaceably with another person does not happen, um, and Paul uses that, you know, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Now, there's a lot of wisdom in the phrasing that he uses, but I, I don't want you to latch onto that and now think, oh, see, now I, I, I've got a license to write certain people off or withhold forgiveness from this person or that person. So let's, let's try to take seriously what Paul's saying and also what he's not saying here. So sometimes by the grace of God, you and I, we confess our sin, we admit that we're wrong, and we even forgive the other person for their role in the conflict. But sometimes, as we well know, the other person does not reciprocate. The other person does not confess their sin. The other person does not forgive us. And so we're still uh, at odds. There's, we're not living peaceably with one another. And we know, try as you might, you can't force someone else to reconcile with you. I, w I wish, that's another superpower that I wish I had. But you can't force it. Only God can do that. In such a situation, which is a terrible situation, we all know it, if we, well, we, we've all experienced it, you can think to yourself, have I done everything that I could, you know, to, to follow Romans 12, 18, have I done everything possible to live, to be at peace with someone else? Sometimes the answer is, well, maybe not. Maybe there's a couple other options that I've had, and I'm going to try this, and I'm going to try that. Maybe my heart has been a little bit hard, and I, and I haven't done everything that I could. So maybe you try that. Other times, though, you might think, this has been going on for 15 years. I've done everything. I'm at my wit's end. I don't know how to proceed. I've tried everything, and the other person just won't, they won't come to the table with me. And that's really, really a bad situation. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So when you find yourself in a forgiveness stalemate like this, this is when you really struggle, and you ask questions, and you cry out to God. And it's hard to accept, but, but I think one of the truths in this matter is you may never have reconciliation with that person in this life. I hate to say it, but it's a reality of, of living in a broken world. Sometimes, as we know too, even some of the relationships that we've had, some of the success stories we might say, where sin has strained and broken a relationship and it's been repaired and restored, or at least you've been reconciled, now you're living at peace with one another, even those relationships change. We know that there are consequences of sin. There are scars that prevail. And so sometimes you, you may, you know, we may forgive each other, but we're not as close as we once were. There's something kind of between us, and that's hard too. So we, we try then faithfully as Christians to manage these relationships even after there's been sin and reconciliation, the ones that have changed. And 
Oh, this, this is where it really it gets tough because you think about the nature of your relationship with, with particular people, your approach might be different, right? It's, it's, um, it's one thing if you've got like a coworker or a neighbor down the street or like a, uh, another parent of one of your kid's classmates that you're at odds with and you've forgiven, but you're not gonna be you know, singing kumbaya anymore maybe. Um, that's one thing, but if it's like a person in your immediate or extended family or someone like you used to be best friends with. I mean, th that's really, really tough. And then those are the things where you really do like try to exhaust every option possible to try to live at peace with them. And sometimes it still, it still doesn't work out. These are very difficult times. Now, there are times in situations such as this where I believe that it is appropriate to stay away from a person even if you have forgiven, you know, I think it's appropriate to actually, you know, have some distance between you. You know, the, the nature of the relationship has changed forever, maybe in this life. It's also appropriate, I think, for certain boundaries to be set, if, if for no other reason than to um, prevent you and the other party from sinning more. You know, sometimes, you, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to go out of your way to see someone. Maybe you're able to live at peace from a distance, and that is the most God-pleasing way to continue here in this life. It's difficult, it's not easy, it's murky, it's not black and white, it's very gray. Now, having said what I just said, I want you guys to hear that, and again, do not take it as a license to just, you know, look at other people and say, be gone with you, you know? I want you to put an asterisk by what I've just said and think, Okay, there's more to this sermon. There's more things that God gives us that maybe we can help these situations go forward. So put an asterisk by that and listen closely for the rest of what God's word tells us. Another consideration for us is this. When you withhold forgiveness, you are hurting yourself more than the other person. You guys know this, this is true, right? One of our favorite pastimes, though, unfortunately, is that we, we like to hold on to sin and anger and bitterness, don't we? And resentment against other people and, and harden our hearts against them. We think, I, I, don't, I, I for one, I have derived a kind of sick pleasure from doing this. I'll admit it. You guys probably have, too. You're thinking of someone. And we, we, we think that we have control over that person who did something really bad to us and we're not forgiving them and we have them like locked up in prison. The only person who's in prison in that kind of situation is you. And if, you, if you've tried to keep that going for months or something, you, you've realized that sooner or later. So it is, a, it is a very dangerous game to play if that's what you're trying to do. You're, you're not living at peace with one another if you're doing that. You're not modeling the forgiveness of God if you're doing that, and you're playing a very dangerous game for your soul if you're doing that, withholding forgiveness, holding on to it, being angry and hating someone else over time. Thanks be to God, then, that he gives us an alternative to this. This is not the approach that we should take. He gives us the precious gift of prayer. And so one of the other pieces of advice is never stop praying for those who have sinned against you. This is the last thing that you will want to do. You will not want to pray for that person. But it is 
one of the most healing and powerful things that you can do. And I, I can speak from personal experience. It is amazing when God puts it on your heart to, to start making a practice of praying for those who have really hurt you. Jesus, you know, models us. He teaches us, you know, um, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Even from the cross, right, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's praying for the people who are killing him. That's amazing. So Jesus, throw, he, he shows us how to do this, and it is, nothing, nothing melts an angry, bitter heart better than praying for that person, committing that person. So th think of the person or the handful of people. Here's, if you don't have your New Year's resolution yet, commit to praying for them. It could be a very short prayer at first, but over time, God, it is amazing. It is a miraculous how God changes your heart toward them and actually begins to bring forgiveness and, and even a care about that person. Finally, we strive to forgive like Jesus. And when you fail, receive again the forgiveness of Jesus and rejoice. Notice how I didn't say if you fail, I said when you fail. Very carefully chosen words. We can't forgive like Jesus all the time. We, that doesn't mean we should stop trying to though, right? We strive to forgive like Jesus. And so when we're out and about with our fellow servants, you know, brothers and sisters, and, and then we mess up again. We gotta go back to the king, fall on the ground and say, king, you know, God, I've run up a big tab again. I've sinned and I've withheld forgiveness and I've been angry and bitter and have mercy upon me and cancel my debt. And you know what, what God says? Every time we come, he says, your sin is forgiven. Your debt is gone. It's been paid for by the blood of Jesus who suffered and died on the cross to make you right with me, to bring you into a peaceful relationship with God once again. Now, go, go and forgive likewise. Go and look at, at other people cross-eyed. And so we, we, we stand up again and we go out and we resist the urge to choke people, right? And we strive again to forgive like Jesus forgives us. And this is the rhythm of the Christian life. So no matter what, what was at the heart of your question about forgiveness today, I, I point you back to that foundational teaching of God's forgiveness for us, that forgiveness that we extend to others. And may God help us to truly see one another the way that he sees us as beloved, forgiven, brothers and sisters in Christ. And may he increase, may, may, may we rejoice again and again in the forgiveness he gives, and may, may we rejoice as we have that opportunity to forgive as God has forgiven us in Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have forgiven us so much. We stand in awe at your love and your grace and your mercy. Help us to remember this every day and help us to be able to faithfully navigate these difficult situations in which we find ourselves in this broken, sinful world. Help us to forgive others as you have forgiven us in Christ. We pray it all in his name. Amen.